Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at the Lucky Guy Bakery. They are the ones that are making delicious handmade brownies made with just the freshest all-natural ingredients. They strike the perfect balance. They're not too sweet. They're not too salty. They are just chocolatey and delicious. And they even make them for uh, vegans or people with gluten allergies. And I, I got to tell you, I've had the um, the gluten-free one. And if I didn't know any better, if they didn't label it gluten-free, I wouldn't have known the difference. It was just a delicious, fudgy, chocolatey brownie. And if you're not into the whole chocolate thing, they have a bunch of other varieties that you might enjoy. You know, they have an oatmeal one, a peanut butter one. So go check them out at the Lucky Guy bakery.com use my promo code pf20 and you'll get 20 percent off your order these make great gifts for a, a birthday or a special occasion or, or just if you want to do something nice for somebody in your life send them a gift box they, they come with a nice little handwritten note which creates that personal touch that everyone's looking for and they're just a really great product everybody loves these brownies once you try them you will be hooked so Go do that right now. TheLuckyGuyBakery.com. Promo code P as in peddling, F as in fiction, 20 for 20% off your order. All right, let's start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's having a nice weekend. It is Saturday afternoon. I am another, I have another Saturday episode for you guys, I guess. I could not get one done on Friday. So here we are, uh, a day behind schedule for the second week in a row, but better late than never, as they say. Everything's good over here on the home front, starting to warm up a little bit, which is good because I've been <laughs> shockingly cold. Um, it's, it's amazing how quickly you get acclimated to climates. And there's still a lot of people down here for this. Um, th this is still like a, I guess uh, Mexicans get two weeks vacation right around this time of year for the, the Holy Week was last week. And then I guess this week there's still a lot of them are still on vacation. So it's still fairly crowded down here. Which, you know, can be good and bad. There's, It's nice to have some other people down at the pool and everything to uh, shoot the breeze with. And there, there's just a limit. Like last week, it was just way too crowded. And now that, it, you know, we're, we're sort of like half of where we were at that point, which is a, a better balance, I think, for my lifestyle. But I don't think I have too much to really report on or administrative things to go over, which, you know, I normally kind of get that out of the way before we dig into what I'm going to talk about on the show. But not a, not a whole lot to report in, the, in that regard. So I guess we can just sort of jump into the um, the news of the day. Which I don't know. It it seemed to me like it's been a slow news week. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't really see anything that like oh I really I really have to talk about this on the show. 
but there has been there have been some um, developments with good old Hunter Biden and um, his because he had this tell all book, I guess, come out and he's been making the the tour for that to um, promote the book. But apparently this tell all book didn't really reveal all that needs to be told. And so the Daily Mail has exposed Hunter Biden's bombshells after the tell-all book holds back. And this is a, um, where is this article? Is this on Zero Hedge? Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. This guy. (laughs) The pictures in this article are just fucking hilarious. Hunter Biden is really something, man. This guy is just, I don't even know what to say or how to describe. I mean, he is just fucking shameless. He has no shame. Uh, but so he's going on, uh, television interviews from all these like friendly outlet outlets, you know, designed to, uh, invoke pity over the first son's crack and hooker habits. Uh, the, the daily mail is now telling the rest of the story regarding the contents of his abandoned laptop after Hunter Biden admittedly, uh, admitted it certainly could be his in a Sunday interview with CBS. And for those of you who might not remember this original story, or maybe you missed it because it was basically a banned from the internet, um, I, I don't know how this story is, is making the rounds. Now, I guess now that uh, Joe Biden is officially president, we don't have to stifle any stories about his uh, degenerate son. But they found, you know, they, they this uh, computer repair shop ended up with his laptop and there's all, all sorts of stuff on it, you know. Uh, sex tapes and and pictures of him doing drugs and and whatever you know you guys know what the hell's going on but anyway after obtaining a copy of the hard drive dailymail.com commissioned top cyber forensics experts merriman and associates to analyze its data and determine whether the laptop's contents were real the firm's founder brad brad merriman is a 29-year FBI veteran supervisory special agent who served as information security officer and founded its first computer forensic lab. Okay. The mail obtained over 100,000 text messages, 154,000 emails. Jesus Christ, dude. These guys are so busy. Like, how do you... 154,000 emails? And 2,000 photos, which were verified by top forensic experts, which revealed that Joe became a punching bag for Hunter's drug-fueled rants and paid his grandchildren's bills when Hunter had drained his bank accounts with prostitutes and crack cocaine. <laughs> Dude, he should be getting hotter prostitutes if if he's spending this much money on them. I don't know. These pictures are kind of hard to tell, but they don't. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to spend that kind of money, if you're going to go through hundreds of thousands of dollars. Might want to get a, a classier, uh, classier dame there. <laughs> Hunter appeared to obsess uh, to be obsessed with making and starring in porn films with prostitutes. Videos and photos on his laptop show. The hard drive contains hundreds of pictures of naked women and naked selfies of Hunter, as well as dozens of videos. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have hundreds of pictures of naked women on their fucking hard drives, right? This reminds me of the, uh, <laughs> I think it was the Man Show. Where they they came up with this um this idea of a company that would cut like when you died this company would like go into your house before like all your fucking loved ones and and family members would be going through your stuff and they would like wipe your hard drives clean and get rid of all your like paraphernalia that's gonna you know ruin your your nice memory that they have of you. <laughs> like, 
Oh, God. What a great idea for a fucking company, though. Anyway, Hunter photographed and filmed himself, often with two prostitutes at a time, in explicit videos that he then posted on an adult website, on adult website Pornhub under the username RH East. Is that serious? He posted them on fucking Pornhub? Should I go check to see if this is up there? No, no, I can't look at porn while we're uh, while we're podcasting here. This is a serious show. RH East. Hunter filmed himself with the woman from his laptop webcam, sometimes shooting at different angles using an iPad and a cell phone. Oh, multiple angles. <laughs> oh god, there's a dog on the bed. Dude, these you gotta go. This this article's up on Zero Hedge, but I'm guessing it's you know, they just took it from the Daily Mail or something. And <laughs> these pictures are fucking hilarious. This guy is such a fucking goofball. Gotta respect him on, on some level, just being a shameless fucking degenerate. The mail also promises to release more Hunter laptop drops. So they're gonna trickle this out, I guess. Keep this story it in the, the front of our minds for as long as possible. Hunter's laptop is, is a Pandora's box of shocking revelations, explicit photos, and intimate communications. In the following days, DailyMail.com will publish more shocking stories, including how Hunter Biden blew hundreds of thousands on prostitutes, drugs, and luxury cars, leaving him scrambled to avoid jail for 320000 in unpaid taxes. Well, that's interesting, considering that the, uh, you know, Joe Biden wants to tax the rich. How five members of the Biden family have been to rehab for drug or alcohol abuse. Five members? Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, and stunning admission by Joe to his son, the other Biden family member planning to buy and cook crack after falling into disastrous addiction with Hunter. They must have some pretty fun uh, family party. Like, what did they do for Christmas over at the Biden house? Hunter's unconventional and unlikely, unlikely relationship with his well-known psychiatrist, uh, the whispered bedroom conversations with a prostitute caught on Hunter's webcam, in which he confesses he had a previous laptop stolen by Russians for blackmail. The president's son left his 2017 MacBook Pro laptop at a Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop in April 2019 and never returned it, never returned for it. And they've got text messages going back and forth. So I guess it's possible. It's certainly possible that it could be Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know, man. I just couldn't imagine being that desperate for money that you're going to write a book. I, mean, I guess he left some of this stuff out, but there's definitely some embarrassing shit in this book already. And he's going around like talking about it on TV. It's like. Man, you know, especially when it's so easy for you to get paid doing other things, you know, just have, you know, have your old man pick up the phone, get you one of these no show fucking jobs that just pays you a couple hundred grand a year. That'll keep you balls deep in prostitutes for the rest of your life. I mean, why write this book and then leave stuff out like we don't like we don't have fucking pictures of exactly what you're doing. <laughs> these fucking pictures, man. Um, sorry, I can't stop laughing. But the um, the other thing, I guess, that uh, th this article mentions that was not in the tell-all book was that Hunter Biden lied on a background check to illegally purchase a firearm. Imagine that. Imagine that, you know, the, the son of the guy who's trying like, his dearest to come after your guns and your right to own any firearm that you want and protect yourself and your family. 
his son lies on a federal background check to illegally purchase a handgun. The, the crackhead. The crackhead. Illegal, like running around with a fucking handgun. You, you can't, you just can't make this stuff up. And then, of course, right around the same time this story breaks is when Joe Biden, good old Uncle Joe, appoints uh, David Chipman to the uh, to be the director of the ATF. And for those of you who don't know who David Chipman is, if you look at pictures from the Waco massacre, he's the dude that's standing in front of the fucking smoldering corpses <laughs> with a fucking, you know, a hard ass look on his face. He's a formal former special agent recently appointed to the director of uh, ATF and gun control policy advisor to the Biden administration. He was one of the agents involved in the 1993 Waco massacre that left 74 innocent men, women, and children burned to death. That's right. They, they burned 74 people to death. Women, children, you name it. That's your government. And this is one of the guys involved in it. And he has now been appointed control uh gun control policy advisor and director of the ATF and uh, I I have a, a clip from Tucker Carlson here because I guess he was covering this story we can go ahead and, and listen to that so who is David Chipman well he's a conspiracy nut for one thing in a recent internet post on Reddit he claimed that the Branch Davidian shot down helicopters during the Waco siege in 1993 no they didn't No one aboard a federal helicopter was shot or injured that day. The helicopters didn't crash. That is a bizarre claim to make from someone who was directly involved in the case as David Chipman was. But it's worse than that. In 1993, the ATF killed dozens of innocent children and at least one pregnant woman for no obvious reason. It's one of the worst things that federal agents have ever done in this country. So if you're taking over the ATF, maybe you could apologize for that, but no. David Chipman lied about it and then attacked the dead. It was like blaming the Japanese for their own internment or attacking the victims of the Tuskegee experiment for getting syphilis. It was not evidence of a generous spirit. It was evidence of a zealot. This is the man Joe Biden just nominated to lead ATF, but it gets worse than that. In a Reddit post, David Chipman suggested that people who fail background checks should be arrested on the spot. Quote, while at ATF, I conducted studies involving people who failed background checks to determine how many later committed crimes with a gun. Many did. This is a perfect opportunity to arrest people before committing crimes rather than responding after the fact. Arrest people before they commit crimes. That is a brand new concept in American law, though the Chinese are highly familiar with it. But the suggestion does raise a point of pressing interest to the Biden family. Joe Biden just appointed a guy who thinks people who lie on federal firearms background checks should go to prison. Oh, well, do you know any? Hunter Biden purchased a handgun illegally. He lied on a federal background check. That's not speculation. He did. We've seen the form. So the question is, will David Chipman arrest the president's son? And if he doesn't arrest the president's son, the question is, how exactly are you obligated to follow these rules? That's a serious question. Can you live in a country where the rules don't apply to the president's son, but you could go to jail for violating them? How can you participate in a system like that? Again, sincere question. They should explain. Yeah. uh, I mean, Tucker's right on the fucking money here. This is just another blatant example of the ruling class and those that are ruled. And I've talked about this before uh, on many episodes, but like this is, you know, this whole idea of the government being of the people and by the people and for the people is complete bullshit. Just look at this one example. There is 
a 0% chance that Hunter Biden will face any fucking repercussions for lying on a federal background check and illegally purchasing a handgun. Zero. Okay, but he's an elite. He's part of the elite. He might be a fucking dumbass crackhead addicted to prostitutes, but he's still Joe Biden's son. So he's untouchable. There are those that rule and there are those being ruled. And which category do you think you fit in? Which category do you think the average uh, American fits into when we're talking about gun control and we have this fucking psycho lunatic Chipman at, at the helm, at, at leading gun control policy and director and being director of the ATF? I mean, this, this is some pretty scary stuff here. You fail a background uh, check and they just come and arrest you like that fucking movie where they they preemptively uh, arrest you for crimes that you're going to commit in the future before you commit them. Minority Report. That's the name of it. I mean, this is like where we're at now. We we, we have become in, in the course of a year, we have become a society of stay in your house, obey government decrees that they have no authority to do. Give us your guns. Show me your papers. If you want to travel, show me your papers. Man, th- this is uh, this is a very dangerous road that, to be going down. And, and the people that are at the helm for this thing uh, are really, really... David Chipman is just... Like, I don't know how that guy fucking lives with himself. Oh, I, I do. He's a fucking... He's a sociopath, obviously. They, they all are. And I saw this other article. I, I wasn't going to talk about it on the show because it just didn't seem uh, that interesting. But it's just another thing like some uh, anti-war activist posted a, a video of AOC on Twitter just giving like a bumbling answer to the whole Israel-Palestine you know conflict and so he kind of like made fun of her or whatever or, or just complained like very benignly complained of of um you know her answer how he was unsatisfied with her answer and the next thing he knows there's fucking police at his door they, they came to get him because he allegedly threatened a congresswoman on Twitter even though there was no threat in there, but apparently Capitol uh, Hill police uh, thought that, that this needed to be addressed, right? It's like you post something on Twitter, you criticize a, um, a sitting congressman or congresswoman, and you could, uh, you could get arrested. I mean, we're, we're not far off from that either. They're trying to regulate what we can say and how we can say it and who we can say it about. They're censoring people all over these social media platforms. They're forcing us to, you know, shut down our businesses, stay in our houses, obey these commands from governors or from uh, other politicians. You really want to be disarmed in that environment. You really want to have your uh, your only means of of uh, protecting yourself, of maybe threatening, uh, of being um, a force to be reckoned with to these to these sociopaths in Washington. The only thing preventing them from locking you down even harder is that gun that you have in your fucking sock drawer. That's it. The only thing standing between you and the fate of those at Waco is the fact that we are armed. That is it. That we have like three, we have more guns than we have fucking people in this country. That's the only thing. And they know that. And if they can round all that up, I mean, forget it. You know, they're, they're, we got the social credit score system coming down the pike with vaccine passports. There are ways, there are peaceful ways to resist this. But man, there is the, the implicit threat that we pose to government agents because we are able to arm and defend ourselves. And that's what the Second Amendment is all about. It's not about hunting, okay? It, 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 it's about uh, defending yourself from the likes of David Chipman and Joe Biden. 
and vaccine passports and show me your papers if you want to travel. It's about maintaining your freedom and liberty. And it's no coincidence that we're getting another big push for gun control right before they're trying to institute the most totalitarian shit that they've ever tried to pull on us. These well-timed mass shootings. Certainly interesting. We need to get the gun control topic back in back in the, the news cycle. Well, all of a sudden we have a few um we have a few mass shootings. Now we can talk about that and now we can work on that and Oh, by the way, we're going to force you to get vaccinated, too. Like, the only reason that the government would want to disarm the population after, what, 200-some-odd years of us being armed and being able to arm ourselves is because they're about to do something that you would shoot them for doing. That's why they that's why they want to disarm you. They don't give a shit about these mass shootings. They don't give a shit about, the like, you know, 10, 15 kids dying in school. They just fucking promoted the guy that helped burn 74 fucking people to death, including children. And for what? I mean, look into Waco, man. Some fucked up shit. You think they really care that some, you know, rub and tug place gets fucking, you know, shot up? Seven, eight people die? They don't give a shit about that. There's, there's something else going on here, obviously. And there is no crime so trivial that they will not fucking kill you to enforce it. I think that might be a Michael Malice quote that I probably butchered, but uh, it, it really is true. Like they, every law that they pass, no matter how fucking small and innocent it seems, ultimately it comes at the barrel of a gun. It's like you, if you get a fucking, I don't know, like a speeding ticket and you refuse to fucking comply. What happens? Like if you just keep refusing to comply with their orders, eventually you're, you're going to end up with a gun in your face. So let's not pretend that they that they really care about the American people. And that's why they want to disarm all of us, you know, to keep us safe and protected. No, no. They want to disarm us because we're the enemy. It's it's much easier to rule over people that can't fucking arm and defend themselves. And what what are they trying to do? I mean, think of they're literally trying to control every aspect of your lives now. That that's it. They're they're trying to control where you can go, when you can go, who you can see, how often you can see them, how many people you can gather with. How are they gonna get the how are they gonna get us to comply with that if we're if we're a fucking armed to the teeth and, and ready to defend our freedoms? So anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about today. Well, let's take let's take a second here and pay a few bills because we have another sponsor for today's show that I'm very happy to have on board. I, I really think this is a cool product that could help a lot of people. And that, of course, is Zipix toothpicks. And these are the nicotine infused flavored toothpicks to help curb that nicotine craving that you get from time to time. These are a great alternative to not only just cigarettes and smoking in general, but all the other over-the-counter alternatives, the gum, the patch, all that shit. This is cheaper and it can be more effective in the sense that you're still getting that sort of oral fixation, that hand-to-mouth feel that a lot of smokers end up sort of like getting addicted to. You can still do that with a toothpick, that you can't do that with gum or a patch or something like that. They have I think it's six or maybe it's even eight different flavors now. I, I don't know if they've come out with a couple new flavors in the past few months or not. I know they're working on some really cool stuff. And unlike cigarettes, you can use a toothpick wherever the hell you want. You can do it on a bus, on a train, in the office, at in your house. It's not going to stink anything up. People won't even know that you're actually getting a nicotine fix. They'll think you're just, you know, picking your teeth or, you know, sucking on a, uh, on a toothpick because you want to. And if you're not into the whole uh, nicotine thing, but maybe you like caffeine. 
and you don't have time to, to make a cup of coffee or something like that, they have B12 and caffeine-infused toothpicks as well. So it could be a, a great way to get a little uh, caffeine bump when you need to. And a great way to just catch a buzz if you're out, you know, uh, out drinking or something with, with some friends and you want to kick it up in a little notch, you pop in one of these nicotine toothpicks. So go check them out at zippixtoothpicks.com. That is Z as in zebra, I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com promo code fiction for 10% off your order that is zippixtoothpicks.com promo code fiction so they know I sent you and they'll give you 10% off all right let's see here oh the other thing that uh Joe Biden is is working on you know besides the gun confiscation and appointing fucking sociopaths to dire- to direct the ATF and hopefully not uh burn any more Americans to death is this uh infrastructure bill this is uh, all the, the talk of the town these days, right? Infrastructure, 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 right? This is the government's only fucking solution to economies that are floundering, right? It's like, oh, we need more economic growth. And this worked during the Great Depression. So we'll just create all of these public works jobs and, and rebuild the infrastructure and bridges and roads and all this shit. And the problem, of course, with that is nobody seemed to have learned their lesson from the Great Depression. Well, very few people did, okay? Because the infrastructure spending that they claim was the the stimulus that saved us from the Great Depression did absolutely nothing except exacerbate all of the fucking economic problems. It actually prolonged the Great Depression. It it could have just been a recession if we had just let the, the market forces purge all of the the malinvestment and everything that's been going on in the economy during the the roaring 20s right if you let market forces take over and and, and clear that market it maybe wouldn't have had a depression at all it could have just been like the forgotten recession in the early 1920s with uh, warren harding so so quite contrary to popular belief fdr did not get us out of the great depression he created the great depression he took a recession and he made it great he took a recession that started under hoover and he made it great by all of these government programs see the problem is all the textbooks that they teach you in government schools well you're in a government school so what are the what do you think they're going to teach you it's like oh yeah like we had the we let these markets these uncontrolled markets run amok and things got out of control, and boom, we had the Great Depression. And so how did we get out of this Great Depression? Well, the government came to the rescue by spending a bunch of money. That's what they did. They created jobs, and they they paid people to work. They paid people not to work. They paid people to destroy their crops. They did all these stupid-ass things. But they're going to tell you that that's what got, got us out of the Great Depression. Obviously, the government's going to pat itself on the back for that. And teach you that in their government schools. The New Deal is always credited in all this left-leaning literature as being like the cure for the Great Depression. And then, of course, since FDR was in charge of the whole thing, he's like the he's the savior. He's the the Messiah among Democrats. Right? The New Deal is like this this thing that we should be striving for. We need a new New Deal. Like the New Deal was this great thing, and it's supposedly proof that you know of all you know, all of this intervention from the government in the in the markets 
and the public works programs and the public works programs that they instituted during the Great Depression. That's proof that, you know, since we got out of the Great Depression eventually, it's proof that the New Deal was the the reason for it. But like I said, the reality of the situation is the exact opposite of that. Of course it is. Of course it is. And you should read, you know, Murray Rothbard's Great Depression. There's a bunch of uh, pretty good books on this, but the New Deal made everything worse. And if you just think about what they were doing, uh, none of it makes any sense from an economic standpoint. It's just so stupid. You know, it's like you're, you're in a depression, right? Everybody's out of work. Nobody has any money to buy things. And the, the government's one of the things the government was doing was artificially keeping prices high. It's like because they, you know, they didn't want uh, deflation. We can't have that. But of course, you know, what do you need? What do you need when everyone's out of work and nobody has any money? You need prices to come down. I mean, why are we keeping things artificially high? They're paying farmers to destroy crops, destroy food while people are starving in the streets. I mean, this this is some of the things that they did. And of course, the results were disastrous. And even uh, Roosevelt's own Treasury Secretary, Henry Morgenthau, lamented the fact that this was a complete disaster. On May 6th, 1939, after two full terms of FDR's presidency and stimulus programs that the New Deal uh, was a complete failure. He, he came out and said this. This was during a session of the, the House, and Ways, uh, House Ways and Means Committee. He said, we've tried spending money. We are spending more than we have ever spent before, and it does not work. And I have just one interest. And if I am wrong, somebody else can have my job. I want to see this country prosperous. I want to see people get a job. I want to see people get enough to eat. We have never made good on our promises. I say after eight years of this administration, we have just as much unemployment as when we started and an enormous debt to boot. That is a quote from Roosevelt's own Treasury Secretary that this was a complete fucking failure. None of this worked. But somehow, to this day, this lie persists that government spending, public works programs, jobs programs, this is the cure that we need for a, um, an economy that's struggling. This is why it's so dangerous to have these public schools teaching this garbage. If you don't learn the mistakes that you made in the past, you're just going to keep doing them. But but this time to a bigger degree. I mean, you thought we had an enormous debt back in 1939. Look at it now, man. Look at it now. I don't even know how they can get away with this. It was just so obvious that we were in a depression all throughout the fucking World War II as well. It's like, dude, people were rationing things in World War II. You know, that, that was the other, um, you know, the other lie that they kind of came up with, the other uh, bullshit explanation. Because, you know, by 1939, the stock market had crashed on multiple occasions. Car sales imploded by 30%, business closures increased by 50%, and real estate foreclosures were still near record highs. The New Deal had achieved practically nothing, and for the average American, nothing had changed. And then you go into World War II, and instead of producing all of, you know, using our factories and everything to produce things that that people needed in America, well, we converted all these factories to make bombs and bullets to go blow shit up overseas. And so everything had to be rationed for that effort. So this idea, so what, you know, when they were facing all these statistics and, you know, um, Morgenthau's own admission that this was a complete failure, it's like, oh, well, World War II pulled us out of the Great Depression. No, 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 it didn't. No, it didn't. What actually pulled us out of the Great Depression was all of those fucking soldiers coming home, 
all those men, those young, working age, able-bodied men that we took out of the economy and sent to go fucking bomb shit over in Germany and Japan, they all came home. All of the factories stopped making fucking bombs and bullets and started making things that the rest of the world needed, including the United States. And since we destroyed basically every other fucking major country in the world, nobody had any factories or anything to produce stuff. So everybody, the rest of the world, had to buy stuff from American manufacturers because we were the only one that didn't, you know, get devastated by this war. It was never fought over here. So we still had all of our factories. We still had all of our infrastructure in place. We, we basically had a fucking monopoly for at least a, a short period, maybe a 10-year period, while all these other countries were rebuilding that we could capitalize on. So while the rest of while the rest of Europe w- was rebuilding and and trying to you know get rid of the the rubble that they'd been reduced to, the U.S. had, had like practically no competition. And, and then basically what happens from that is we get the um the the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. This is what led to the U.S. dollar being the the most dominant world re- reserve currency because everybody was buying stuff from American manufacturers. And and how do you do that? Well, you have to have dollars and every like. Nobody else was creating anything, so we were the only game in town. If you wanted access to our manufactured goods, you had to trade with the U.S., and in order to trade with the U.S., you had to have U.S. dollars. That's how we got the reserve currency status, and that's why the 1950s were so prosperous for the U.S. It had nothing to do with unions and government this and government that. It's because we destroyed the rest of the world and then got to fucking sell them, sell them all of our products. Because we were the only fucking seller. That, that was the heyday for American manufacturing. We were the, the world's largest uh, creditor nation. And that's what pulled us out of the Great Depression, was the fact that we were manufacturing goods. We were creating stuff here, and we were selling it. Now what do we do? Now we do the opposite of that. All right, China is the fucking, uh, China is the world's largest manufacturing base. We manufacture almost nothing here on U.S. soil. We create dollars out of thin air, and we buy up a bunch of Chinese goods with it. We're flooding the world with U.S. treasuries, with U.S. dollars, you know? And all of that, all of that inflation will come back to haunt us eventually. But so with, with all of that in mind, like, what is this, what is Biden's new New Deal going to do? Right. If we're just going to create a bunch of money out of thin air, create a bunch of, of government jobs, you know, um, jobs making bridges or roads or something like that. Listen, there's it, when government spends money, it, it's never going to do it in a way that is as efficient and necessary as like in the in the marketplace, in the private sector. They don't do like a cost benefit analysis or anything like that. They just say, hey, we should have a bridge here. Or, hey, we should have a road here. Or, the proverbial road to nowhere or bridge to nowhere. They're, they're going to be creating jobs that we don't necessarily need. We don't know if we need them. A job for the sake of a job is is nonsense. Like that's not why we have jobs. And labor is a scarce resource. We we need to you know utilize it just like any other resource in the most effective way possible. And there's just no way a government can do that. It's impossible for them. So they're going to crowd out a bunch of private investment in things and invest in in you know more boondoggles, overpay for fucking work to get done, create jobs that we don't need. And then they're going to point to this as like some sort of success. Like, look how much money we spent. 
All of this is going to do is create phony economic growth because the the way they've rigged the GDP, uh, you can inc- like the GDP can increase it, it, with every dime the government spends. Just because they're creating money out of thin air and spending it doesn't mean that we're actually becoming more productive. Doesn't mean that the economy is growing. It just means that the money supply is growing. But the way they they capture that in the GDP, it looks like phony economic growth, or it looks like economic growth, but it is phony. And that, of course, is by design. This is all by design. The other unintended consequence, or maybe it is intended, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, from all of these New Deal public works projects and jobs and everything like that, was that the uh, the major companies saw incredible gains. You know, the General Electric, uh, IBM, Procter & Gamble, J.P. Morgan, they got all of this government money, like endless amounts of fucking government money to do all these public works projects. And all of these other companies didn't. So they go out of business. The big guys, like General Electric, get to buy out their uh, competitors for pennies on the dollar. You see all of this um, th- this wealth being concentrated into a few big hands, and the, the, the gap between the rich and the poor gets bigger and bigger. We saw the exact same thing. We're watching this happen. We're watching this play out right now. Like, What was the government's reaction to the pandemic? Well, we're going to bail out the big companies, General Electric, Ford, J.P. Morgan, the banks, you know, airlines, all that shit. We're going to give them a bunch of money. But the small businesses, you just have to stay close. And uh, here's 600 bucks to get you through the rest of the year. The exact same thing is going to happen with this infrastructure plan. All of these all of these jobs are going to go to, the, you know, these big companies. They're going to see endless profits from this fucking government boondoggle. While the average small business is is going to go out of business. And so you'll, the middle class will get crushed. The rich will get richer. The bigger companies will get even bigger and have even more of a, of a you know, sort of this uh, fascistic monopoly. And the poor will get poor. I mean, I mean the, the wealth inequality gap will, will increase. And the inflation that is going to result from this is going to crush whatever savings the, the little guy has. Uh, and the big banks and all these big companies will be just fine. So there you go. Brilliant plan. Brilliant plan. And and even if they are creating temporary jobs to get all this, all these public works programs done, the amount of inflation that they're going to create, like the, the, the price inflation we're already seeing is getting kind of out of control. But you know, these, these jobs, like people might be working, but if, if inflation starts getting crazy, we get runaway inflation. It doesn't matter if you have a job. Like you're still not going to be able to afford anything. And so you're going to get the the stagflation, you know, when uh, prices continue to rise and wages and consumption stagnate. And that's what happened in the 1970s. According to like Keynesian economics, though, especially the, you know, the, the, the ones that subscribe to, you know, government spending when there's um, a depressed economy, right? It's like a hole and they got to fill it with government spending to get us back, you know, out of the hole. Th- those are the people that would have told you that, you know, you couldn't have stagflation. Well, they were they were proven wrong in the 1970s. And then when that when that inflation ran out of control, the Federal Reserve had to crank up interest rates, the crazy high fucking interest rates um, in, in a very short period of time. Like we can't do that now. You know, talk to somebody who was buying a house in the 80s and they were paying, you know, 20% interest. <laughs> we're getting, I'm, I'm refining right now to like three, three and an eighth or something like that. We can't, we can't pay fucking 20% interest on anything. It will crush this whole bubble. I mean, think of the, think of the ramifications for that. So how are they going to fight this? How are they going to fight this inflation? They, they can't. They, they, they would either destroy this phony economy completely by raising interest rates. 
or they can just keep uh, printing more and more money. You, you tell me which route they're going to go. And then, you know, they could destroy the, the currency. And then who, who knows what they're going to, you know, China's already coming out with a um, digital yuan. So maybe that's the plan here. I don't know if they're going to come out with some gov like a digital dollar, a, a government digital currency, which would just be who the icing on the cake for this fucking nightmare. I mean, imagine there has been this push for getting rid of cash. And why would they want to do that? It's all about control. Of course, you know, it, it's so much easier to control you to make sure you're doing exactly what you're doing when you should be doing it. If they can digitally track every fucking transaction that you make, I can't do that with cash and cash. They have to actually come and confiscate it. They have to come knock on your door and take it with a digital currency. They can just fucking do keystrokes and lo lock you out of your fucking account and shit like that. This is some really scary stuff. I mean, put all this stuff together, right? Lockdowns, vaccine passports, uh, runaway inflation that to the point where, um, I, I, you know, they're, they're just going to destroy the U.S. dollar at some point. I don't know how much longer it's going to take. I've been worried about this for like a decade. But I mean, think that we're, we're just spending incredible amounts of money right now. And now you've got governments flirting with the idea of digital currencies. So they not only can tell you what to do and when to do it, and how you can do it, and who you can do it with, and where you can go, how often you can go. But now they can control your your money supply too. They they can make you know they could outlaw cash, force you to use their their digital currency, and then they can track every purchase and everything that you've ever done, and, and make sure you get the vaccine passport, or we'll uh, we'll shut off your fucking digital currency, whatever. You know, I don't know how exactly how that stuff works, but I know that there'll be a way for them to fucking do that. That's for sure. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, maybe they fucking shut off access to your accounts. And you know that all that talk of the the Great Reset, right? With the we have like the one world economy that would centralize all of the monetary policy and create a cashless society. It's, it's built on a, a digital reserve currency system. Like this, there is there is a push for that. It's not just like um, conspiracy tinfoil hat stuff. Like this is the direction that they want to go, and they're just finding excuses and and ways to sort of nudge us in that direction. So I I don't know if um if they really care if they destroy the the US dollar at this point because you know they can blame it on you know when when you have inflation when you define inflation the way that they do which is the rise in prices and not the actual expansion of the money supply it's a lot easier for them to blame all of the fucking suffering and all of the problems on capitalism right this is oh greedy capitalists raising their prices on everybody you see this is this is why we need this um you know this digital currency that the government issues because we're not greedy and uh, we we can we should control all of this and we'll just get rid of we'll just get rid of that old U.S. dollar and here's the new here's the new digital version of that and I don't know man some some really scary stuff scary stuff uh, that we're staring down the fucking barrel at here is it you know is, is this all part of some diabolical plan to uh, rid the world of cash and have a great reset so that the government can control every aspect of our lives through a, a, a digital currency and um, vaccine passport system I don't know maybe 
Maybe it is. Maybe it's just, you know, the the same old tired government response to an economic uh you know, economic problems where they just spend money because that's that's the easy thing to do. And that's what they want to do in the first place. They want to be able to be the the giver of everything, you know, the the something for nothing, the free lunch. Now, one thing is for sure. Whatever this this infrastructure thing is, you want to, the new new deal, whatever the hell you want to call it, it is not a cure for an economic fucking problem. It is not going to lead to economic growth. It is not going to lead to an economic recovery. It is going to exacerbate all of the problems, all of the economic problems that we already have, that we've had since FDR. Because FDR's New Deal didn't do anything to help that economic situation either. We've just been repeating this mistake for almost a hundred fucking years now. How much longer are we going to keep doing the exact same thing and expecting a different result? Literally the definition of insanity. So I don't know, I'm going to wrap there today, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Do me a favor. If you like today's episode, follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. That's it. That's the, that's the one action item for, for this weekend. Just give me a follow on Twitter. And oh, next Friday is our bi-weekly happy hour. So if you want to get involved in that, that is entirely up to you. But you can become a supporting listener of the show by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and you click on the support the show link there and you set up a recurring monthly donation for any denomination that you want. That will help us keep the lights on around here, fund advertising and things like that to increase our listenership. And in exchange for that, I will throw back a few cocktails with you every other Friday. So if that sounds like something that you want, you'd like to do, I think they're a lot of fun. I think the, uh, the, the regulars that attend them enjoy them as well. And uh, yeah, I'm a pretty fun guy to have a drink with, I think, from time to time. So go go ahead and do that, and uh, let's let's build out a nice little uh, happy hour community there. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on uh, probably Tuesday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.